Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Live Natural, Live Well. I'm your host, Heather Lounsbury, also known as Doc Heather. In just a moment, I'll be bringing on my incredible guest, Nathan Runkel. He's the founder of Mercy for Animals, one of my favorite animal welfare organizations, and we'll find out more why in just a few minutes. And also the author of the best-selling book, an incredibly inspirational, Mercy for Animals. Uh, Nathan and I first met when he was in Los Angeles before moving there, and I knew right away that he genuinely cared about the welfare of animals and was doing everything he can to protect them. So I'm grateful to have him on today. And those of you who don't know me, I am an acupuncturist, nutritionist, and the author of Fix Your Mood with Food. I do offer phone consultations anywhere in the world. So if you're interested in getting healthier, or if you want to try to go more plant-based or to 100% vegan, I can help you if you're having issues with pretty much any health concern, but I do specialize in mental health, women's health, and digestion. I'm happy to help you. If you have any questions, please contact my office at info at livenaturallivewell.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Doc Heather. I'm also, of course, on Instagram, Facebook, and everything else. So definitely be in touch. And just a second, I will be bringing on Nathan. Just a second. Okay. Sorry about that, guys. There's been some miscommunication with... Um, Nathan calling in, so hopefully he'll be on in just a second. And I guess I will tell you a little bit about my story and becoming an animal rights activist before he comes on the line. Uh, my story started in 1985 when I decided to go vegetarian um, for the summer. I had no idea it would become a huge part of my life and my career, but uh, I thought I'd give it a try, and I researched what that meant to eat meat and animal products in general, and I never looked back, which I'm so grateful for, and that, of course, led me to becoming a nutritionist and acupuncturist, because in the 80s, for those of you who might remember, uh, it wasn't so easy to give up uh, animal products and have any kind of support or know what to do. So I had to learn on my own. Um, and I became passionate about it. And luckily I did. And I'm now ready to bring on Nathan. Hi, Nathan. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Hi. You're Thanks here. <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> You're welcome. Thanks for being on. How are you doing today? 
I'm doing well, thanks. And you? Wonderful, thank you. I'm enjoying the beauty of the south of France. Ah, beautiful, yes. And I'm enjoying (laughs) the beauty of Los Angeles right now. (laughs) It is very (laughs) sunny and and another perfect day. (laughs) Another one, yes. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So for my guests that might not know who you are or what Mercy for Animals is, I would love for them to hear just a little brief introduction to that before we go on to the book. Yeah, absolutely. So Mercy for Animals is an international organization that's dedicated to preventing cruelty to farmed animals and promoting compassionate food choices and policies. And we do this in four main program areas. The first is through undercover investigation. So sending people into factory farms and slaughterhouses and livestock auctions and documenting with pinhole-sized hidden cameras how animals are treated when the meat, egg, and dairy industry doesn't think that it's being watched. And these investigations support our other uh, three program areas, Uh, the second being legal advocacy, so pushing for stronger state and federal laws um, to protect farmed animals and uh, prosecuting animal abusers, as well as doing defensive work, fighting off things like ag-gag laws that seek to make it a crime to document conditions inside of slaughterhouses and factory farms. Our third program area is corporate engagement, so pushing the largest players in the food industry, so the Walmarts and McDonald's and Nestle's of the world, away from the worst factory farm practices, such as getting animals out of intensive confinement, banning veal crates, gestation crates, battery cages, ending mutilation without painkillers, and also working to uh, get more plant-based options into businesses and establishments, such as schools, universities, hospitals. And our final program area is social impacts, which is essentially educating people about who farmed animals are, the fact that they're individuals with unique minds and personalities and interests, just like dogs and cats. Their lives matter, how we treat them matters, and encouraging people to move away from a meat-based diet and towards a plant-based diet, so uh, adopting um, a vegan diet. And as I said, we're an international organization. We have uh, staff in in six countries, millions of supporters, and we work exclusively on farmed animal issues because when you look at the numbers, farmed animals are the 99%, yet they oftentimes have the fewest allies, the fewest advocates on their behalf, and and the least protection. So that's the the bird's eye view of of Mercy for Animals. And I was sharing before you came on that you're definitely, Mercy for Animals is definitely one of my favorite animal welfare organizations because I feel like you're really doing something to make a difference. And obviously most animal animal welfare organizations are, and they're very passionate. Something that the, the changes that you've been able to make and the exposure uh, you've been able to do with animal cruelty is just incredible. Thank you. You know, I uh, Mercy for Animals is made up of an incredible team of, of employees, but more importantly, thousands of volunteers all over the, the world, really. And of course, um, everyone who digs deep and makes a donation to Mercy for Animals is the reason that the organization um, is able to have such a big impact. Our 
our corporate um, engagement successes as well as um, legal successes impact over 1.3 billion animals every single year. Um, so you can imagine the the running accumulative total of animals whose lives have been spared or improved um, as the direct result of MFA's work is is um, is quite large, and we uh, impact millions of, of people in their, their diet choices every year, um, getting people to pledge to go vegetarian. Our institutional meat reduction work uh, results in over 26 million vegan meals being served every year. So, um, you know, impact is big, but this, this issue facing farm animals is, is, is a growing global concern. So we certainly have our work cut out for us, but I'm you know, incredibly optimistic that we can and will get to a future where, where animals are no longer exploited for food. Yeah, and I, th I think we're definitely on our way. I, I don't know um, how much you know of my story, but I, I, I became vegetarian in 1985, and the changes that have happened since then, and especially mm -hmm. let's say like the last five years, it's astounding for anyone who's yeah. thinking about going vegan or vegetarian or has been just for a short while. It's it's pretty astounding the shift that's happening. Yeah, I went vegan over 20 years ago, and at that time, people thought that vegans were folks that lived in Las Vegas, and you could only <laughs> get powdered soy milk in certain places, and you know the the meatless burgers were uh, you know closer to cardboard than an actual meat replica. But, you know, today you can shop anywhere from Walmart to 7-Eleven and find, you know, soy milk, rice milk, almond milk. Uh, the, the vegan food market is just booming. There are, you know, the Impossible Burger that's coming to the market now that have heme made out of yeast. Uh, you know, the, 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 the Beyond Burgers are, are popping up in TGI Fridays and, and everywhere in between. So we are definitely at the tipping point of a cultural revolution in the way in which people look at their food choices and also look at animals and our obligation to protect them. We learn more and more every every year about how emotionally uh, intelligent these animals are, uh, their, their, their complex cognitive behaviors. Um, and I'm not just talking about cows or, or pigs. And of course, people know that pigs are as intelligent as three-year-old humans, more intelligent than dogs one of the most intelligent creatures on the face of the planet, but chickens, uh, we're finding out more and more about their intelligence, how they pass information along from one generation to the next, how they can actually count, how they have a unique language, and fish, who are oftentimes forgotten even by the animal protection uh, movement. We are seeing not only that it's irrefutable that they too, like all other animals, suffer pain, but also that they have lifelong friendships, that they work together, that they manipulate objects as tools. Um, so the more that we learn about our fellow earthlings, I think the more of a responsibility we have to protect them from cruelty. We can no longer plead ignorance, um, which was done for, for far too long. So I, I believe that with this new understanding and with the innovation that's happening in the food space, uh, we are rapidly moving towards a future where, where factory farming will no longer need to exist. 
Oh, and I am going to celebrate with you with a big bottle of champagne when that happens. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, so let's, <laughs> or two. Um, so let's uh, start talking uh, about the book. For those of you who don't know, Nathan has a new book out called Mercy for Animals, which I highly recommend uh, everyone reading. And how did that come about? Like, what was your inspiration to put it all in a book? Yeah, well, it's interesting. You know, I I actually had people telling me for, for years that I should write a book, including the vice president of HarperCollins, one of the, the largest publishers in the country. And I just didn't feel that the time was, was right. Um, I, I felt that Mercy for Animals was still very much in its infancy. And, and you know, I was uh, still a, a very, you know, young individual with, with a lot to learn. Um, but a few years ago, I, I felt that the time was right to sort of write the first book. Um, it was, uh, I think the time was right for Mercy for Animals as an organization, but also as the movement, as you said, so much has changed even in just the last five years that um, I wanted to use my personal history, which is growing up on a farm in rural Ohio, coming from four generations of, of crop farmers to to founding and leading an international animal rights organization. And I wanted to be able to share my firsthand uh, stories, rescuing animals out of trash cans on factory farms, working with the brave men and women who go undercover into factory farms and slaughterhouses, uh, sitting at the corporate boardroom with executives from the world's largest food companies and, and negotiating um, improvements for animals, uh, working uh, in the trenches on ballot initiatives, fighting ag gag laws. I, I thought that, that it was that these were important stories that um, could, in a, in a very personal way, shed light on this, this international um, issue of our treatment of farmed animals who are all too often ignored. They really have become the ghosts in our industrial machines. Um, so, you know, I, I wanted to to share the stories of these individual animals um, that I've been able to rescue and that our investigators have encountered. But really, at the end of the day, it's um, it's a book about the the larger um, system and 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 really broken system um, with our treatment of animals uh, for food, but. But it's also a, a rally cry, and I hope that the book will inspire people to do something, um, whether it's making changes in their diets or becoming an advocate. Uh, I really hope that people will be inspired to find their unique voice, um, and, and that's, that's why I wrote the book. Well, I think it definitely does that, and I have to say I felt when I was in high school and first uh, went vegetarian – I, I thought I was brave for demonstrating at a McDonald's or giving money to be a member of PETA. And here you are risking your life <laughs> to go in and film, um, to film what was actually happening. And I'd love for you to share a little bit about that and what made you so brave. Obviously, the animals inspired you, but there must have been more to it than that, I would think. Yeah, well, so... so in the book, I talk about uh, open rescues that I carried out starting at the age of 17. 
um, and then uh, carried out the rescues for a number of years. And this is a tactic that started in Australia about uh, 30 years ago by a woman named Patty Marks and her um, animal rescue team. And it's really a combination of investigative reporting, civil disobedience, and animal rescue um, all tied into one. And we would send certified letters to, uh, in, in this case, egg factory farms asking for a tour. They would always ignore us or deny us that request for a tour. So we would go in at night um, through unlocked doors. Uh, There's no property damage. It was really a matter of bearing witness and then helping animals that we found, documenting what was happening there so that we could uh, expose it for the world to see. And we knew what we were doing was technically illegal, um, could be considered trespass, even breaking and entering, taking the animals could be considered theft. Um, and we later found out that we could, could have faced um, literally decades in prison, up to 30 years for carrying out um, these open rescues. But to, to me and the other um, brave individuals that went along on these, these nighttime missions, the, the, the risk was, was worth it. Um, you know, we were doing these investigations at a time when very few people uh, knew what was happening in factory farms. This was before really social media, before YouTube. Um, not a single state had banned uh, the intensive confinement of animals uh, for, for food. So we, we knew that we had to start the conversation somewhere. And going in and, and helping these animals um, it was really our only chance of getting the mainstream media to pay attention to us for even just a second. Um, and what I saw when I was inside of these operations will forever stick with me. Uh, you know, you can watch videos of factory farms, you can look at photographs, but they cannot convey the enormity of these operations. They cannot convey the filth and the dust and the dander they cannot convey the, the smells of manure and pneumonia um, that, that you get when you're standing inside of a manure pit. And these manure pits where the, the, the manure will fall from the birds that are on the cages on the second floor can stretch the length of two football fields. The manure can, can be seven, eight feet tall. Um, and when you're standing in these, these just waste fields, literally, You'll see animals that are dead and dying, um, drowning in manure, and that's something that that you can't get out of your your mind. Uh, I've freed animals that were trapped under feeding trays, being trampled by their cage mates, birds whose skin had been impaled in cage wire, and live birds that were thrown away in trash cans. So, you know, I, that is why I have largely dedicated my life and not forgotten why. Um, to these animals is because I have seen firsthand uh, what the cost of cheap meat, milk, and eggs are, what the, the true cost of factory farming is. Um, and so these investigations really um, started Mercy for Animals' work uh, into investigating the conditions for farmed animals, and it has since evolved um, into employment-based investigations. And I, I uh, thank you for what you've done, by the way, and your bravery and courage. But uh, I remember you one time saying at an event in L.A. Um, that all of your, and I, I'm assuming it's still true, that all of your uh, 
investigations have led to exposure of abuse. There's never been a case where one of your undercover agents has gone in and not found some abuse. I'm assuming that's still true? Yeah, it's absolutely still true. And, and quite frankly, it will always be true um, with factory farming because factory farming is inherently cruel. Uh, you cannot take living, breathing, thinking, feeling, emotional creatures and crowd them into tiny cages and stalls and deprive them of everything that's natural to them and have it be a humane or acceptable operation. It's just impossible to do. Now, the, each factory farm will vary um, in terms of, of company culture, and, and some will be cleaner than others. Some you will find more malicious and sadistic abuse by workers. But by definition, uh, these factory farms are horrible places for animals. So while we don't always find illegal abuse inside of a factory farm, we, we certainly always find animals who are suffering. And I think it's important to, to um, draw a distinction because unfortunately, uh, currently in most states, uh, the, the, the worst forms of abuse for farmed animals are considered legal and acceptable. So keeping them in cages where they can't turn around, legal in most states, cutting off parts of their body without any pain relief, legal in most states. So the only thing that will rise to the level of criminal is the sadistic abuse, you know, beating animals, for example, or, or hitting animals. And while that is absolutely horrific, um, the, the, those beatings oftentimes are the least uh, abuse that these animals face, that most of the suffering comes from being crammed in enclosures where they, they can't even extend their, their legs um, for their entire lives, uh, or as I said, being separated from their families or having their throats slit. These are all things that cause the most suffering, but because the agriculture industry profits from these practices, they've been able to have the laws um, written in a way that ex exempts this. And, and this is one of the real scandals um, regarding uh, the treatment of farmed animals in this country. Yeah, and I, I, you know, obviously most people have no idea that this is all legal and they think they're free-range eggs or grass-fed beef, but somehow mm -hmm. they're happy at all, which is absurd, but that's a whole other point. Um, I know you talk about uh, in the book several stories of your undercover investigations and the results, but can you share um, briefly one particular story that really stands out for you and is close, you know, hits you hard the hardest? Yeah, well, there's so many, there's so many stories uh, shared in the book from our investigators who really are the unsung heroes of the the animal protection movement. They they operate in the shadows to shine light on what these animals face. And they, they do this backbreaking and stomach churning work for, for, for no credit, um, you know, for, for no accolades. They, they do it because they realize this is what is necessary um, to expose injustice and, and push forward. Um, and, and the book is, is filled with stories of, of the sacrifices these investigators make, the, the, the emotional uh, trauma and damage that, that they endure uh, working inside of, of these just terrible places, the physical um, injuries that they sustain. But 
they do it because it drives change. And, and one of the stories that I, I share is from a dairy factory farm in Wisconsin. And we sent an investigator there who worked for a number of weeks and documented, as we have at every dairy farm, uh, just the, the absolutely appalling treatment of these mother cows, the way in which they're kept inside on, on crowded, filthy concrete floors, um, but also how they're being beaten mercilessly by frustrated and exhausted workers who really become desensitized to these animals as being individuals. Um, he documented uh, workers taking forklifts and attaching chains around the necks of cows and dragging them uh, across the floor, hoisting them um, into the air off of the ground by their hips. And we took this investigation to law enforcement, who ultimately um, did uh, prosecute um, f on grounds of animal cruelty. But we always want to drive the most change possible um, with these cases. And we know that this is never an issue of a few uh, bad employees or a few bad apples. We have to get to the, the root of, of these issues, which first and foremost is people consuming these products. But until everyone stops consuming meat, milk, and eggs, we believe it's our obligation to at least prevent the worst suffering that animals that are unlucky enough to be born into this system will face. So with this particular um, investigation, we were able to trace milk from this factory farm to Nestle, which is the world, world's largest food company, and found that, that, that cheese products were being used on DiGiorno Pizza, one of the largest frozen pizza brands, which is owned by Nestle. We launched a public campaign, uh, went full court press, uh, held multiple press conferences. It, it received international attention. Because of that, it brought Nestle to the table. And I, I tell the story of what these um, really high-stake, high-pressure negotiations were like with Nestle. Um, and ultimately, it led to Nestle adopting really the most sweeping animal uh, protection policy of any food company at the time, which not only um, addressed uh, some of the worst abuses faced by cows in the dairy industry, but also um, banned the sale of products from um, pigs kept in gestation crates, calves kept in veal crates, eggs from the hens kept in battery cages, ended mutilation of animals without any pain relief. And what was uh, also really of note was that this wasn't just a U.S.-based policy. It was an international policy that applied to over 90 countries um, wow. uh, around the globe. And you know, this all started because of one brave individual uh, who decided to do an investigation um, at one of their dairy farms. So, you know, that is the sort of ripple effect that, that this uh, work um, can have. That's uh, incredible. And we're almost out of time already. I can't believe it's gone so quickly. So if you have like <laughs> a quick soundbite of how people can get involved and help Mercy for Animals and help animals in, in general... Uh, now's your chance. Yeah, well, people can go to our website, mercyforanimals.org. You can like us on social media. 
Um, you can make a donation and become a member to Mercy for Animals. Um, and if you're not already, consider moving towards a plant-based vegan diet. It's the single most important action that we can all take in our everyday lives to remove our support um, from these cruel industries. And uh, if you pick up my book, I have other practical um, tips and advice on how you can uh, make uh, an impact for animals in your everyday life as well. Great. Thank you so much, Nathan. And uh, I know this sounds really dorky, but thank all of your investigators for me. <laughs> I've met a few of them in LA, well, yeah. but uh, um, I get completely freaked out just going through a meat aisle in a supermarket. So what they're doing is, mm. and what you've done is, uh, incredibly brave and strong. So thanks for all you do. And I wish you the best of luck with the book and continued change with Mercy for Animals. Thanks so much. Uh, I appreciate you having me on. Um, anytime. Take care and I'll talk to you soon. Okay, bye. Bye. So thank you, Nathan Runkel of Mercy for Animals for being on my show today. Um, again, for my listeners, you can go to mercyforanimals.org to get involved, to donate, to find out how you can help animals, to become a volunteer, and also pick up Nathan's incredibly inspiring book, Mercy for Animals. Uh, if you would like help with your health or going plant-based or questions about going vegan, um, please contact my office for an appointment at info at livenaturallivewell.com. Um, you can read my book, Fix Your Mood with Food. You can follow me on Twitter at DocHeather. I'm also on Instagram at TheDocHeather. I love your feedback and questions. And tomorrow I'm having on the Kathy Freston and her latest book, clean protein, learn about how you can get plenty of protein and be cruelty-free at the same time, strong and healthy with just eating plants. Take care, have a healthy rest of your day, live natural, live well, and I look forward to hearing from you and in our next show. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.